morning, church. Even when we can't see it, God is working. Do you believe that is true? It was September 8th, 2022, when Queen Elizabeth, the Queen of England, died. She died of old age at the Balmoral Castle in Scotland. She died at the age of 96. She was the longest reigning British monarch. Now, I'm not a historian, and surprise, surprise, I've never watched The Crown, but... I do know this, that she reigned for more than 70 years. Think about that. For over seven decades, she reigned as the Queen of England. She was 25 years old when she became queen. Winston Churchill was the prime minister, right? During her reign, reign, 14 different American presidents served, including... Harry Truman, Dwight D. Eisenhower, John F. Kennedy, Lyndon B. Johnson, Richard Nixon, Gerald Ford, Jimmy Carter, Ronald Reagan, George H.W. Bush, Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, Barack Obama, Donald Trump, and Joe Biden. She was queen when man first walked the moon. She was queen before there was something called the Internet. She was queen when the Berlin Wall fell. She was queen during the COVID-19 pandemic hit. So much happened, not just during her life. So much happened during her reign as queen. And when she died, everyone wondered, what happens now? What happens when the king or the queen dies? What do you do? We live in a world, we live in the United States where we really haven't experienced something like this where someone has served um, in that kind of role for that length of time. We don't know what that's like necessarily, but all of us in the room have experienced this on one level or another. We all know what it's like to wonder what happens now. What happens when When we don't know what to do, what happens when there's so much uncertainty around us? What happens when the future is unclear? What happens when the marriage becomes difficult, when our kids begin to struggle? What happens when the job falls through, when the dream dies, when things aren't working out the way that we thought that they would? What happens when we've got more questions than answers? What happens when it feels like things are going to get worse before they get any better, and we're wondering if they're going to get any better? What do we do now? What happens now? What do you do When life is uncertain, when the future is unclear, when you don't know what's going to happen next. What happens when you ask the question, what happens now, but you don't know the answer? So when we get to the days of the prophet Isaiah, these are the same kind of questions that are swirling around the people of Israel. If you have your Bible or the Version Bible app, I'd love for you to go ahead and open up to the book of Isaiah. We'll get to Isaiah chapter 6 in just a moment. At this point in history, in this point in their story, a man by the name Uzziah is king. And the problem is that King Uzziah has died. He's been king for 52 years. That's five decades. Not quite as long as Queen Elizabeth, but still a very long time. But now King Uzziah has died. Overall, he was remembered for being a good king. 
He was known for doing what was right in the eyes of the Lord. His name, Uzziah, means Yahweh is my strength. And during his reign, Israel, they enjoyed security and prosperity. During his reign, during the reign of King Uzziah, they were able, Israel was able to defeat their Philistine enemies and other Arabian enemies that were coming against them. During the reign of King Uzziah, their economy was flourishing. Their agricultural economy was growing and thriving. During his reign, they fortified the city walls of Jerusalem. So much good happened during the reign of King Uzziah. It was a good time in the land of Israel. They enjoyed security and prosperity because of this good king. He wasn't perfect. He wasn't the perfect king. No king ever was except for Yahweh, the one true king of Israel. But he was a good king. He was a good king. But after 52 years of sitting on the throne, King Uzziah has died. And the question everyone is asking is what happens now? What happens when the throne in Israel is vacant? What do you do when the king has died? And you would think that would be the biggest problem Israel's facing at this moment in history, but it's not. The, the biggest problem they're facing at this moment is their king has died, and now the Assyrian armies are about to come against them and invade the land of Israel. At this point in time, the Assyrian Empire, they're a superpower, especially compared to Israel. Everybody in Israel is terrified about what happens now about what happens next. What happens when the Assyrians invade? What do we do? Where do we turn? King Uzziah would have known what to do, but now he's dead. King Uzziah, whose name means Yahweh is my strength, has died. And now Israel's faith, their hope in Yahweh, who was their strength, has died as well. What do you do? What do we do? Where do we turn? And you would think that would be Israel's biggest problem at this point in the story, but the truth is it wasn't. The biggest problem they're facing in this moment is that they've turned away from God. They've turned away from the worship of Yahweh, and they've turned to worshiping man-made idols. They've turned away from their faith in God, and they've turned to faith in themselves and in faith in things they've made with their hands. They've turned away from God being their one true king, and they've put their faith in foreign pagan kings. They're living in sin and disobedience and rebellion to God. And because of their unbelief, because of their rebellion, judgment, the judgment of God is literally on the way. And I don't want you to miss this. Because it's at this exact moment in time that God, who is always working, even when we can't see, even when they couldn't see that he was working, calls a man by the name of Isaiah to be his prophet. And I want you to hear what happens when God calls Isaiah. If you've got your Bible open or the Version Bible app open to Isaiah chapter 6, we'll start in verse 1. It was in the year that King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord, Isaiah says. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Just imagine this scene in your mind's eye. Attending him were mighty seraphim, these angels, each having six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew. They were calling out 
one to another a song just like the one we just sang. Holy, holy, holy is Yahweh, the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Holy, holy, holy the Lord is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And this song is just being sung, this chorus, over and over and over and over again without ceasing, without end. And by the way, God is still on his throne and angels are still singing his song. And Isaiah witnesses all of this. He becomes fully aware of just how unholy he is in the presence of a holy God. And it's at that moment when he's overcome with this feeling, right? Just like you would be, just like I would be. Here I am in the throne room of heaven. Here he is before a holy God. He becomes fully aware, wholly aware of his own sin, of his own guilt, of his own shame, of everything that God is and everything that he is not. An angel flies over to an altar there before the throne of God. And he grabs a burning coal with a pair of tongs and he flies over to Isaiah. And we never think about how painful this must have been for Isaiah, but the angel takes this burning coal and those tongs and he touches Isaiah's lips with this burning coal. And then the angel says this in verse 7. See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Isaiah, forgiven. The grace of God and the presence of God for Isaiah. And now forgiven, he's ready to be called, to be commissioned by God. He hears the voice of God ask this question, whom shall I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? Isaiah hears the question and Isaiah responds, here I am. Send me whatever you need. What else do you say when you stand in the presence of the Holy God? Here I am. Here I am. God tells Isaiah, all right, I want you to go. I want you to speak to my people Israel. You're going to be my messenger. You're the one I'm going to send. But I need to warn you. I'm going to give you a message, but the people of Israel will not hear it. They will not respond to it. They will not turn away from their sin, from their disobedience, from their idol worship, from their rebellion. In other words, I'm going to send you on a mission, but I want you to know that it's not going to be a success. Like, it is doomed for failure. It's not going to exceed. Can you imagine what this must be like? I can only imagine if God had called me, hey, uh, I want you to go and I want you to preach for this church, but I want you to know before you even go, no one in that church is ever going to receive uh, the the hope of Jesus Christ. No one's ever going to be baptized in the name of Jesus. No one's ever going to hear the gospel or have an experience or an encounter with God. The church is never going to grow. No one's ever going to invite anyone to your church on baptism Sunday. No one's going to respond. Like, that would be the worst calling ever, right? And yet this is the calling that God gives to Isaiah. Go and carry my name. Go and carry my message to my people. But I want you to know they're not going to hear it. And they're never going to respond. This mission I'm sending you on has a 0% chance of success, but this is what you must do. Isaiah asked the question 
I'm confident everybody in the room would ask if you were there. It's the question I would ask. All right, but how long? Lord, how long will this go on? Listen to God's response in verse 11. Until their towns are empty and their houses are deserted and the whole country is a wasteland. Until the Lord has sent everyone away, the entire land of Israel lies deserted. If even a tenth, a remnant survive, it will be invaded again and burned. But as a terebinth or oak tree leaves a stump when it is cut down, listen to this. So Israel's stump will be a holy seed. I don't know if you've ever cut down a tree. Um, I don't cut down trees anymore. The last time I cut down a tree, I fell off a 12-foot ladder with a chainsaw that was still running. And so I don't cut down trees anymore. But if you've ever cut down a tree or seen a tree cut down, you know how this goes. You take an axe, you take a chainsaw, you take something sharp, right? You cut the tree down. And when you cut the tree down, all that's left is what? A stump. God says, Israel, that has been a mighty tree, a tree of life. Israel, that's been his tree. As a symbol to the nations around them. That there is a God, there is one God, and there is no one like their God. There is, he has no rival, he has no equal. The holy, the Lord God Almighty is their God. Israel, who has been a mighty tree, who, is, who has been there with its branches lifted high for all the nations to see and come to know the love and the grace and the mercy and the power of this great God, is about to be cut down. And why? Why will they be cut down? Why will they be chopped down to the ground to where only a stump is remaining because of their sin? because of their rebellion, because of their disobedience, because they've chosen to turn away from the worship of God and turn toward the worship of idols, because they've chosen to turn away from the king of kings, their one true king, Yahweh as their king. And they've, in this moment, if you read the backstory, they've turned to a foreign king, a pagan king, looking for help when the Assyrians come to invade. They've totally turned away from God in every possible way. And because of this, God says, Israel's about to be cut down, and all that will remain is a stump. But, but, there are some in Israel who, despite what's happening in most of the land of Israel, there are some who will choose to be faithful. And I love this. Isaiah, God calls this group of people in in Isaiah, he calls them the remnant. Turn the page to Isaiah 10, verse 20. God says, In that day the remnant left in Israel, the survivors in the house of Jacob, will no longer depend on allies who seek to destroy them, something this current generation of Israelite and Israelite leaders are doing. They will fully trust in the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. And don't miss this. Because there's a remnant, there is hope. Whenever there's a remnant of faith, there's always hope. Don't forget that. Whenever there's a remnant of hope, faith, there's always hope. Even though the mighty tree that is Israel is about to be cut down, there is still a stump. And even when they can't see it, God is still working. 
turn the page to Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, and here's what God says next. Out of that stump, out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Even when they couldn't see it, God was still working. And guess what? Even when you can't see it, here's what I want you to know today. God is still working. Isaiah had a message from God for the people of Israel. They couldn't hear it then. What I'm wondering is if you can hear it today. That that this is what God does. God takes old stumps and he causes new shoots to grow from old roots. Out of that stump that was the family tree of David... That had been cut down. There had not been a king on the throne from the line of David for a very long time. But from that family tree, there would one day be a child born, a son who would be given. And his name would be called Emmanuel, which literally means God with us. This is the message Israel missed that I hope you hear. That even when it feels like, because I know there's people in the room today. And you've been there. Some of you are there. The rest of us will get there. There's this moment in life we all get to where it feels like life has been cut down. The dreams, the visions, the things we had in mind for the future, they're not going the way we thought they would. We had envisioned this beautiful forest, this beautiful life, this beautiful tree, this beautiful thing in front of us. We thought things were going to go go this way. But guess what? Things didn't work out the way they thought we would. Maybe it was our fault. Maybe it wasn't. But things went sideways. And now it feels like when we look into the future, when we look ahead, everything that we had hoped for has been chopped down. And we wonder what happens now. What do you do when life is uncertain? What do you do when you don't know what's going to happen next? God speaks into this moment in the life of Israel, and I think he speaks the same message of hope into our lives as well. That even when you feel like your life has been reduced to a stump, our God has the power, and here's the promise that he can bring new life from old roots. He brings beauty from ashes. And if you're there today, I want to just remind you of God's promise that even when you can't see it, God is always, 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 always working. And the truth is, can I get real honest? God is always working, but at least in my experience, So often it's invisible ways. We can't always see it. But I do believe it, that God is always at work, often in invisible ways, always for your good and always for his ultimate glory. And if you can hang on to a remnant of faith, then I can promise you this, you will always have hope. So today I want to go ahead and give you the breath prayer for this week. Every week we kind of lean into a short prayer together. If you don't know what a breath prayer is, it's a prayer you can say in one breath. It's a prayer I would encourage you to pray every day and over and over again every day. On your table, as you said, have some of these cards. Take a chance, uh, take a moment, pass these around. 
So everyone has one. Here's the breath prayer for this week that I want to encourage you, I want to encourage us as a church to lean into together. Holy Lord, King of the universe, even when I can't see it, give me faith to remember you are always working. Maybe those three words right in the middle are the ones we need to lean into the most, right? Give me faith. Give me faith. Give me faith to remember. I want to ask you to read this breath prayer with me one time, and then after this I want to invite you to watch a short video from one of our beloved members, Danny Weems. He shares a little bit about how he's seen this same truth play out in his life, how he's seen this red thread pull through his story, through his family. I don't want to share that with you, but first, if you would, church, let's pray this prayer together. Holy Lord, King of the universe, even when I can't see it, give me faith to remember you are always working. Let's watch this. There are just times in your life when you look back and think, wow, I didn't realize that. But God was working in that moment. So in about 1972 is when I met Joyce. As they say, the rest is history. A lot of it, very good. But, you know, life can be difficult. We had our first child. He was 11 months old. We found out he had lost a lot of his hearing. If there ever was a mother who was the right mother for that child, it was Joyce. She had already been involved in the deaf ministry for a long time, so she knew what to do. And, uh, she was a fierce mother, fighting for her son to get the things that he needed. We look back on it now and we wonder, you know, how did all that happen? And certainly, we're in the midst of the battle. We don't necessarily think about what is going on around you spiritually. And I have to really say that God was working even when we didn't know it. Our son did well. You know, he went through school, college, and as teenagers do, Timothy would be one of those teenagers, you know, life kind of went off the rails for a while. But then God provided friends and family and uh, to encourage him, to help get him back on the right path. And I, I am when he was in college, <clears throat> he was still having a difficult time you know, with life in general. And he met a guy his name was Ronnie Viss. And Ronnie just befriended him. He saw him one day sitting out on the stoop, and he was probably not feeling good. But Ronnie just befriended him. And they became roommates in college. And they had been remained friends up until Ronnie had tragically passed away last year in an accident. Every day I think about Ronnie. You know, we didn't know Ronnie at all, but God knew Ronnie, and Ronnie knew God. And uh, so them working 
he and Timothy becoming friends really led Timothy to a relationship with Christ that he still has today. Now, as you know, his wife and two are beautiful granddaughters, so 